Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. There's an expression in the Old Testament that we all need to learn uh, to the benefit of all of our relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, coworkers, staff. And it's this expression that simply incline your ear, incline your ear, listen. Uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks this to his children. And he says, incline your ear to me that you may live. In Proverbs, a dad to his son says, incline your ear to your mom and dad's instruction. In the Psalms, we have 150 Psalms in the Bible, uh, about 65 to 67, depending on how you count. Uh, 65 to 67 are lament psalms. And a lament psalm has three parts. I am hurting, the enemy is winning, and God, you seem distant in the whole thing. And silence is perceived as distance. And he says to God, incline your ear to me. And here's what inclining the ear looks like. Husbands, let me help you here. This is inclining your ear to your wife. Do we have any teenagers in the room? Would you raise your hand? Let me just see the hands of the teenagers who are at home. The Bible calls you to honor your father and your mother. And one way you can do that when they're instructing you or guiding you, and you may not even agree with them, but one of the best ways to show honor when they're speaking is simply Now, if you, as a couple, come into my office for counseling, and I'm with you for an hour, and I listen to you for an hour in this position, what am I communicating to you? Bored, not interested, I don't care. This is reclining the ear. This is inclining the ear, leaning in, listening so that you may learn. I'm wondering how many of you showed up today with this posture. I think after you've been in church a little while, you can begin to go, I've heard that. Yeah, ain't nothing new. You're really into what Pastor Doug's saying. Oh, I love this. I love this until he says something you don't agree with. And then it's like, huh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And we start to go like this. I go to college campuses, and I, I love the ones that sit there engaged in a talk like this. And they're like, man, they're taking notes, and they're sitting by somebody who's like... <laughs> words like disrespect, right? Uh, rebellious come to mind. Today we're talking about leaning in, listening, and learning. I wonder how many of us lean in when we agree with what God's word says, but when we don't, that's when we move to this right here. This affects your relationship with God, your relationship with each other. I asked my wife and son about a year and a half ago at a lunch, scale of one to 10, how good of a listener am I? And my wife immediately said, five, give you a five. I said, well, why don't we take the lunch hour 
let you think about it a little bit. I don't, I don't need an answer right away. Process it and give it to me at the end. She goes, I, I, I don't need to. It's a five. Carson, what do you think your dad is? Dad, you're probably a five. Oh, my wife, very compassionate woman. She could tell this was eating my lunch. And so she goes to bail me out. And she said, Ted, when we have your undivided attention, I'd give you an eight. When we know there's nothing distracting you, nothing keeping you from the conversation, I'd give you an eight. Now think about that. What took me from a five to an eight? What made me an eight listener just like that? I'll show you what made me an eight listener. How hard is that? Is that difficult? Is that challenging? There's a verse that has been joining me on my journey. It's the Song of Songs, chapter 2, 14. It's before the wedding of chapter 3, but Solomon is speaking of the Shulamite woman. He's wanting to get to know her, and you can't get to know someone unless you're listening. And he says this in chapter 2, verse 14. My dove in the clefts of the rock. Listen, husbands, if you don't have a pet name for your wife, I want you to go with my dove. <laughs> and when you want to call her out, simply go, Goo. My, my wife likes to have conversations with me from the other end of the house. Does anybody have this problem? Like, I'm in the family room. She's in the back closet of the bedroom, and she's going to have a deep heart-to-heart -heart with me. And this is all I hear. And I, from the other end of the house, just yell, what? And she says the exact same thing because I can pick it up in the tone. You know what I do now? When she starts having a conversation with me from three rooms away, I simply go, coo, coo. It's my dove call. It's to draw her out. I was just in Louisiana, and one good old boy came up to me. He goes, Pastor, you keep doing that around here. You'll get shot. <laughs> so I try to avoid that. But look at what it says. My dove, he doesn't say a mountain lion, he doesn't say a snake. My dove, which is speaking here of gentleness and tenderness, leaning in and listening, communicates, hmm, I'm going to be a safe person for you to share with. In the clefts of the rock, and the hiding places on the mountainside, there's some things about you that I don't know yet. There's some things I want to get to know. And so he asks, show me your face, let me hear your voice. And then when she does come out, when he does hear her, when he does see her, look at what he says. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. When I find out something about you, I'm going to be a safe person. We've already seen today in prayer time an example of leaning in and listening. People came forward for prayer, and because the music's going and everything, the prayer team had to go like this. They leaned in, they listened, they heard, they prayed together. And we've taught our prayer team at Woodland Hills in Branson, Missouri. Listen, when someone comes forward and they share some like deep sin with you, an unsafe response would be, That's not safety. Safety is I have heard what you have said, and I receive it. My dove in the clefts of the rock. Goo. Goo. I think we're all, though, if we can admit to ourselves today, becoming poor listeners. And here's one reason why. Not the only reason why, but I submit to you this one reason. 
We get our news today from algorithms and cable news networks that reinforce our biases, which means we're only listening to news that we agree with. How's that working in your relationships? Are you only going to listen to people when you agree with them? Are you only going to listen to God's word when you agree with it? We're seeing it happen in churches all over the country. People saying, I no longer believe that's what God said or that's what he meant. And so we don't like what it says, so we decide we're going to change it. Can't you just admit you don't like what it says and I'm not going to listen to it rather than trying to change it? We get our news today from algorithms and cable news networks. I don't know if you remember, I grew up outside of Chicago and my dad, mom and dad loved to watch Peter Jennings' ABC Nightly News. Anybody remember that? I thought as a kid, this is the most boring thing ever. <laughs> like it was just monotone, blah, 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 blah. But you know why? That's what news was. But that's not news anymore. You know what we do today? We turn on the news to find out what should I be mad about today? <laughs> and they pick a topic just to get us all ticked off. And we're all spun up. And I don't mean to get controversial today, but I'd like to take you to 2017, the fall of 2017, when the NFL had the issue of take the knee. Does anybody remember that? Take the knee. And some of you are like, oh, don't do it. <laughs> oh, we're going there. We're going there. I, I remember when it hit and billboards went up all over Branson, Missouri. Boycott the NFL. And then the Nike thing happened, I believe, last year. And people I hear in my church, I'm burning my Nike stuff. And I'm going, okay, so... I'm in the middle of a message, we're having fun, kind of like we've been having fun already, and I asked the congregation of Woodland Hills, hey, is it okay that we listen? Shouldn't we be listening to the NFL players who are taking a knee? Suck the life right out of the room. Like it has, like right now. <laughs> Completely changed the whole, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. I'm just asking us to listen to the NFL players taking a knee, and it just took all the energy out of the room. And, and I'm one of these pastors, I don't back away from something, I double down. Can I get an amen on that? We're going to go and we're going to dig in to see what's behind this. Didn't work at our church. I'm like, okay, so the next weekend I'm at a church doing a marriage conference and I'm talking about communication. I'm like, I'm going to bring it up here, see if it works. And uh, it didn't. Uh, and it doesn't matter what church I was at. It was at First Baptist Dallas. And I asked, is it okay if we listen to the NFL players who are taking a knee and uh, a guy yells from the back, no. <laughs> I said, thank you, sir. I said, honestly, I've, I was taught in communication classes and stuff that tension is very important in a talk. Like you want to create tension at the beginning so you can resolve it by the end. And anytime you can include the crowd or the congregation in building that tension, all the better. So I said, thank you. I'm grateful. It didn't work there. I'm like, okay, we got it next weekend. Uh, next weekend, I was in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, the most diverse crowd I've ever spoken to. Half the room was African-American charismatic, and the other half of the room was Pennsylvania Dutch Mennonite Amish. <laughs> and I said, oh, it's going to kill here. This is going to be awesome. Now, what's neat, and what I love about what I get to do is I've watched some of you who have enjoyed the message up to this point who are beginning to shut me out. It happens, doesn't it? You don't ever see this, do you? But I see. So <laughs> I'm going to wait here. At the end of that session in Baltimore, kind of the same thing. No, nothing really it didn't go anywhere. But at the end of that session, an older gentleman walked up to me. He was a Korean War veteran. And he said, Pastor, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yeah, sure. And he said, I want you to know I've loved everything about this weekend. 
I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. I, I've learned a lot. My wife and I wish we would have done this way earlier in our marriage. He said, but I do need to say this to you. He said, I couldn't disagree with you more on your stance with Take the Knee. And so I listened because I had just finished an entire talk on listening. <laughs> and, I, and when he was done sharing, I said, sir, I, I want to say two things to you. Number one, I said, I pastor in Branson, Missouri. And I got to be honest with you, I don't think there's a city in the country that's more patriotic than Branson, Missouri. So on behalf of my city, my church, my family, and myself, I want to say thank you for your service. And I mean that. Thank you for saving this earth for us. I said, but the second thing I need to share with you is this. I'm having a hard time understanding that you are saying you disagree with my stance on take the knee when I never shared my opinion. I said, I didn't share my opinion. I didn't tell you one way or the other. I asked, is it okay that we listen? And you started making assumptions. And we both stood there in awkward silence. <laughs> and I said, sir, we have one more session left. Is it okay? Can I start the next session with this interaction right here? And uh, I took his silence as consent. <laughs> and I went back up and I asked the room, how many of you disagree with me on my stance with take the knee? And hands started to go up all over. And I said, would one of you mind coming up and sharing with the room what my opinion is on take the knee? And then we all just kind of sat there in awkward silence. And one thing I've noticed, the churches I've been sharing this illustration at, I don't get invited back. So maybe that's one of the, <laughs> if I don't like a church, uh, I shouldn't. Anyway, no, we'll just... Uh, but I just was like, this is, this is striking me. And you know what? The Bible speaks directly to what's going on right here. It's in Proverbs 18, 13. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. If you don't want to listen, I'm going to call it like the scripture does. You're a fool. Foolish people don't listen. Foolish people spew their opinions. Foolish people lean back and recline the air until you're done talking. Then they lean in so they can share with you what they're thinking and feeling. And the scripture calls you a fool. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says the purposes of a per person's heart are deep waters. Here's that imagery again. The dove in the clefts of the rock and the hiding place on the mountainside. There's something deep about each and every one of you in here. And look what it says. The one who has insight. Another way of saying it, the person of understanding is able to draw them out. What does a person of understanding look like? I'm going to keep this shutty and keep these open. I want to get to know you. Most experts agree that there's like six levels of communication. I usually at marriage conferences speak through these in like an hour and a half. I love talking to couples about the six levels of communication. I'm going to give them to you briefly today so you can see what's going on. There are six levels. The top three, I always put a line between three and four because I don't want to be an above-the-line person. I want to be a below-the-line person. I want to get to know people. Above the line is I'm right, you're wrong. Above the line is uh, I win, you lose. Below the line is heart-to-heart. -heart. Below the line is I want to get to know you. Levels one and two, small talk and facts, you should put a zero by these two levels because at this level, there's zero risk of escalated conflict. But if you've ever met someone and tried to have a conversation with them and you start just simply by saying, hey, how are you doing today? And that's like level one, small talk. If how you're doing today is met with, 
Can I tell you, that has nothing to do with you. What's coming out of them was already in them before they talked to you. Has nothing to do with you. Then the facts, and I asked some of you, have you heard about the take the knee movement in the NFL? That's level two facts. You should have zero risk of escalated conflict at level two. Some of you are like, then why did I go like this when you brought it up? Because you went to level three. And at level three is where all escalated arguments live. And that's why some of you are miserable in your relationships right now. They're all at level three. Your marriage is at level three. You just want to be right. Or as Dr. Phil used to always ask, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? You need to pick one. <laughs> I don't want to live. Listen, I, I've been a part of churches. I have visited a lot of churches that are above the line churches. And I'm grateful that this is a below the line church that cares for your heart. That, that, that can, can receive so many people of so many different backgrounds and so many different traditions. They can proclaim to you truth from the word of God because they're concerned about the heart. They can move beyond small talk and facts quickly. But you want to get to level six. Level six, these are the deep waters. Feelings, we've isolated some 27 feelings that we would call primary emotions. And you always feel something before you get angry. You feel judged or like a failure, cheated, controlled, abandoned. If you don't care for those emotions, they'll turn into anger. You need to deal with those. But we want to get to where all of that comes from. And it all comes from the heart. According to the scripture, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Okay, meaning every word you speak and every action you take, it flows from your heart. I'm a dad who's obsessed with the hearts of my children, not the behavior of my children. Because all of their behavior and all of their words, it comes from here. I want to know where is that coming from? Why did you say that? In counseling, we call this your family of origin. You bring a family of origin into the marriage. Your spouse brings a family of origin into the marriage. Have you ever been at your in-law's house and your mother-in-law or your father-in-law says or does something and you have a moment where you go, huh, that's why she says that. That's why he does that. You know why? Because it's what they saw. It's what they heard over and over and over and over and over again. It put a message, a level six belief on their heart. And now everything they say and do flows from that. If I can just say, I, I, Gary Smalley was my mentor for uh, over 15 years. He could get to level six with somebody in less than 60 seconds. He was an expert at it. He moved past small talk and facts like that. We'd be at airports together, and you know the gate agent at an airport is, you know, somebody yelling at her, mad about a flight, and Gary would walk up behind somebody and be like, wow, that guy wasn't in a good mood, was he? Where is he going, Charlotte? Let's send his bags to Dallas. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> Cut the ice, got through level one and two right away, moved through, got to the, the, the beliefs of a person. That's a person of understanding, someone who leans in, and I don't need to fix you right now. I don't, I don't need to solve something for you. I just want to get to know you. If you want to share your faith with someone, can I just encourage you? Try it like Jesus did. Learn to listen. Go to John chapter four with the woman at the well. Watch how he just sits there. And listens. He shares truth with her. He gets to it, absolutely. But he gets to the heart of that woman. He gets to the heart of that woman. But look at what it says in Proverbs 18, too. A fool takes no pleasure in getting to level six. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding the deep waters of another person's heart. Only in living at level three. A fool only wants to express his opinion. Bottom line is this. Healthy people aren't threatened by the opinions of others. 
toxic people are. You share something you believe, and when it's met with, it's not a healthy person. But again, it has nothing to do with you or your opinion. Healthy people aren't threatened by the opinions of others. This is very important. When we talk about listening, so important to understand. Listening to you doesn't mean I agree with you. It just means I'm leaning in and listening. I want to get to know you. That's what it's saying. You matter to me. You're worth my time. You're worth putting down my cell phone. You are worth turning off the TV. You are worth removing distractions. You are worth a lunch hour that's going way too long. You're worth that. It doesn't mean I agree with you and I'm here because I agree with you. It just means you matter. That's what listening says. Now, this is when our culture needs to get, boy, do we need to get this. Democrats, Republicans, please listen up. <laughs> Disagreeing with you doesn't mean that I hate you. It just means I have a difference. There's three people so wound up. I, the, the three CNNers. Yep, that's right. Fox News people are still. <laughs> We're going to hell in a handbasket. I just think we need to get back to a place. Listen, Amy and I have a great marriage, but we don't agree on everything. We, we don't agree on a lot. But I love that woman. We used to think, okay, when we start discussing opinion, the best way to have a quality marriage is to not talk about the things we disagree on. How's that work? Yeah, just let's not talk about it. But the problem is we disagreed on money, the house, children, parenting, in-laws. We wouldn't be doing a lot of talking if we went that approach. We used to have this thing called the quarterly marriage realignment. And what that meant is we would go for a few months without talking about these issues, but eventually we had to talk about them. How healthy do you think those conversations were at the end of three months of not talking about them? All that was built up in us, like, would come out. Some of you don't have a quarterly marriage realignment. You have a weekly marriage realignment. You don't talk about things for a week, and then it just explodes like an atomic bomb going off. We have found a better way. We have found a better way. We have differences of opinion, and I'm learning to lean in and listen. She leans in and listens. She wants to get to know me. Let, me. let me just tell you, your time is way better spent listening than it is trying to change your spouse. Way better. My, my wife has found this new show on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Tidying Up. Has anybody seen this show? Anybody here like this show? Okay, this woman is ruining our marriage. I got to tell you, I... <laughs> I don't like her at all. She's of her father, the devil, and a child of darkness. I don't, I don't want her. I found out about her when I walked into the closet in January, and my wife was standing there holding a sweater. I said, babe, babe, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm asking the question, does this sweater spark joy? I said, well, how, what do you do with the answer? Well, if it's no, I say thank you. I give it a kiss and I put it in the discard and donate pile, I want you and I to do this. Now, <laughs> I speak on behalf of all men worldwide <laughs> when I say this. We ain't asking that question. Can I get an amen on that one? We're not asking, does this spark joy? What are we asking, guys? Does it still fit? If it still fits and it doesn't smell, we're keeping it. 
But this, my wife, like, she cannot watch five minutes of the show Hoarders. She can't. Just puts her right over the top. Because my wife is passionate about decluttering. It's her passion. Life. She has two love languages, acts of service and quality time, which means I serve her for long periods of time. That's what these two love languages coming together mean. And in the middle of those love languages, another love language that's called pitch, pitch, pitch. We're throwing things out. She has this fundamental belief. If you haven't used it in a while, we don't need it. No, don't amen that. Do not amen that. Because where does she always start with pitch, pitch, pitch? In the garage. And she goes out in the garage, she gets the garbage can with wheels on it, she flips the lid back, and like a grocery cart around the garage, she just starts finding stuff, and she'll hold up an item at a time, and she'll go, you still using this? I'm like, babe, that's a hammer. <laughs> well, when's the last time you used it? I, 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 don't, I can't give you a date. But I think every home's entitled to at least one hammer. And maybe two, one in the garage and one in the house. Nope, gets tossed. Man, I had to sit down with her. I had to go, okay, we got to figure out what makes you need to get rid of everything. And she says, Ted, when the house is cluttered, it just feels like, now we're into feelings, level four. The walls are coming in on me. And when we load up the truck full of junk and it pulls out of the driveway, I can't explain to emotionally lift something from me. <laughs> physically, I feel something physically. She even says, and spiritually, don't you dare bring the Lord into this. <laughs> but inside I'm going, you crazy, crazy woman. I have hoarding tendencies. I get. I like to keep my stuff. I really do. I don't feel like I'm holding on to it where moth and rust do corrupt. But I, I feel like we, we invested in that. Let's just keep it. But she's like, no, get rid of it. Just when I thought my life was saved from Chip and Joanna Gaines. I now got this woman, Marie. Amy always is wanting me to take out random walls in our house. Let's just get rid of that wall. And I have to remind her, babe, I don't have the skills nor the tools <laughs> to be taking out walls. Can I tell you, this side of heaven, she ain't changing. She's always going to want to declutter. She's not going to wake up one day and be like, the Lord spoke to me last night, we're keeping stuff. <laughs> no. I mean, and when I see her getting in that mode, of, with, when I see a garbage bag in her hand in the house, I'm usually running down the hall yelling to the kids, save your stuff! Mom's coming, mom's coming, Carson, get whatever you want in your arms, get out of here! I want to lean in, and so let's talk about, real quick, like lightning round, 15 types of bad listening. And I'm about half a dozen of these, about six of these. And I'm going to ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to call you by name on these. And be honest. Have an honest assessment of where you are when it comes to inclining your ear, when it comes to listening. The first one is the nodder. The nodder is someone who took a management course at work. And they taught emotional responsiveness. You're supposed to give cues. Like if you've ever been on the phone and you think you're losing somebody or they're not there anymore and you just need to hear every now and then, uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah. 
the nodder hasn't quite picked up the balance of that. So when you're trying to talk to a nodder and they're responding with, oh, 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 oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just, just too much. The eye roller. An issue comes up and it's met with a, ah. Oh, I can't believe we're talking about this again. We talk, ah. Oh. Dr. John Gottman says, nothing shows contempt in a relationship more than an eye roll. Because the eye roll goes past the issue straight into the core of that person. You think you're saying, I don't want to talk about it right now. I don't want to talk about it again. But you're, what you're really saying is, you don't matter. You're not worth my time. We've talked about this enough, and I'm not giving it any more time. That's what the eye roll really says. The eye wanderer, person that's always looking over the shoulder for something else to do or to talk about or another person to engage with. The board, this is the lights are on, but no one's home. You're like, come on, come on, I know you're here and you're leaning in, but I feel like you're leaning in and dozing off. I need you to stay with me on this conversation. The distracted, this is the person, two ways we're distracted by what's in our mind. Ladies, you can really deal with this. You got lists in your mind all the time. We're also distracted by our environment. I don't like to have deep conversations with people in crowded restaurants where we're constantly interrupted by wait staff or the surrounding noises. I, like, I have to be able to kind of tune in. You have the watch glancer. This is, nothing screams wrap it up like someone casually looking down at their watch. But that's now a new one because we have phones is when in the middle of a conversation someone pulls out their phone, the scroller. The scroller starts like just randomly going through. You're like, what? The biblical term for that is rude. It's totally rude. The one-upper. We all know the one-uppers. If you've been there, oh, we were there. Yeah, we stayed a lot longer. Uh, if you have it, oh, I was an early adopter. We had that a long time ago. You're late to the party. Someone always one-upping. What we don't talk about is the one-downer. The one-downer is the person. You come home from work, tell your spouse, man, it's kind of a rough day at work. You had a rough day at work. You don't know what a rough day is, and they don't even listen to what you're going to say because they're going to tell you what they're. As a senior adult, you love to one-down people with your ailments. <laughs> Have you ever watched senior adults arguing with who's sicker? <laughs> or even I show up, and somebody, I'm talking to a senior at our church. I'm like, yeah, I'm not feeling real. You're not feeling good. You have no idea what I've been battling the last four days. Hey, I don't really want to know, to be real honest with you. Don't, do not share that with me. I hope it passes. Uh, the overvalidator. I appreciate your story that you shared earlier because I think sometimes when the scripture calls us to mourn with those who mourn, a lot of Christians don't know how to do that. We feel like, and we overvalidate. We're just like, oh yeah, I've been there. Oh yeah. It's, and we start giving all these cliches when maybe what we need to do is what you talked about, walking into a hospital room and just practicing the ministry of presence. Just listening just encouraging, just hugging someone. You don't have to have answers all the time and be constantly doing this, over-validating. The bottom liner, man, we got to work on this one. We like, man, I, does anybody here have a family member when they're at, at holidays and stuff? They just don't know how to land the plane on a story. I mean, I, we have one in our family, and I'm always sitting across the table from him going, let's bring this thing, let's just bring it down. In speech class, we were taught there's an introduction, a conclusion, and the body. And you kind of get stuck in the body. <laughs> I need you to put out the landing gear and bring that bad boy home. And I've had to correct my family when this person's telling the story that they start leaving the table and I'm there left with the person just going, come on, wrap this up. 
sorry. That got real personal, but I love my father-in-law. I need you to know that. I think he's a, he's a wonderful man. The interviewer. Some of you are married to Oprah Winfrey. And you're trying to tell a story, and every line of the story gets met with five follow-up questions. Just let the person talk. The hijacker. We all know the hijacker. You're halfway through the story. You just want to finish it, and they're like, we're done. I'll tell you now my story that's way better than your story. The debater. This is the person that you can't share anything. Where did you get that? Who told you that? Well, I didn't bring sources. I'm not citing. I don't have attribution for what I'm saying. I just, I picked it up on the, you know, the headlines. The sentence completer. You've been married for a while. You got a sentence completer. Here's the commitment that Amy and I've made to each other when it comes to listening. And I tell her, I will listen to your opinions without seeing it as an attack on mine. I, I want to be a healthy husband, a healthy, healthy father, a healthy pastor. I've got a church full of people with different opinions than me on how a church should be run. I can listen without changing what we do. <laughs> it's a little pastoral secret. Just that's what's between me and Doug right there. Uh, we can listen. You know what I found really works when someone's sharing something about the church? I can simply say, I received that. A lot of times they hear I received that as, oh, he agrees with me. I didn't say I agree with you. I said I received that. I found the best expression. You know, any, any negative comment online posted about me or the church website, I have found the best response. Uh, three simple words that I post often when someone is just being negative and coming at me, I simply respond with, tough but fair. There's nowhere to go from there. It means I'm hearing you. That's pretty tough. But I guess it's pretty fair. That's probably true. I can receive that, but it doesn't mean that I agree with you. I will validate your feelings when I don't agree with your opinions. You know, you can do that. You can validate the way someone's feeling even though you completely disagree with their opinion. So I, from Branson, Missouri, I had to, to bring a to land the plane on this uh, message, I have to bring you a little country music. And uh, how many here like country music? I was told at the 1130, nobody likes country music. Is that true? It's not true. Look, there's young people that like country. You like country music. There's a bunch of young people back there. So I'm going to take you this kind of classic country, which is where we're at in Branson, Missouri. Keith Whitley, Allison Krauss. If you know the song, I want you to sing it with me. And it goes like this. The smile on your face lets me know that you There's a truth in your eyes A touch of your hand I feel your arm playing Take me there This part, just the men, just the men sing this Now you say it best When you say nothing at all Now, let me show you where this is in scripture. The smile on your face, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. You're gonna see how all three of these lines are in the scripture. I wanna talk and end just to the husbands. A new way of entering the room, a new way of entering the room, a new way of entering the house after work. I want you to walk in and go past the dog and past the kids and find your wife. 
Maybe later today, she's just been in another room for a little bit and you haven't been there. I just want you to walk past everything, go into the room. I want you to walk in with a smile on your face. I've looked at a lot of you guys. You do not have what we call a resting smile. Okay? You do not have a resting smile, sir. I don't have a resting smile. People tell me when I preach, you get so serious, Ted, you need to throw a smile in every now and then. And I get kind of caught up in it, but then I catch myself in a sermon where I'm like, and then I'll just go. Put on my best Joel Osteen, see what I can get. Sometimes I do. If you don't have a resting smile, put one on. Walk in the room where your wife is. Greet her with a smile. The truth in your eyes, it says in Proverbs 15, 30, bright eyes gladden the heart. If you've ever seen the Blue Man Group, it's a whole show built off of men just using their eyes. So I want you to walk into the room with a little pep in your step. A smile and bright eyes. And then look what it says, a touch of your hand. This is the Song of Solomon 2, 6. It's just a few verses before where we started this morning. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Look what this says. This is the Shulamite woman speaking of Solomon. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. So let's put it all together. Guys, I want you to walk into the room a little announced. Bam! Right there, just to the back of the head. Bring her down to here. Put this arm around her. Bring her in nice and tight. Look her right in the eyes and say, Goo! Goo! Thank you, Concord First Assembly. Grateful for all of you. Blessings as you learn to listen. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.